Tobacco Road Sports Radio is so excited to be your home for Triad Sports. I'm so excited! I'm so excited! We heard you loud and clear. Our mission is to give you what you want. You know what I want. I've been asking for it for years. Give it to me. Give me what I want. The best sports talk in live sports in the triad, period. What's up, everybody? Live from Brandon Blake. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Score once again with Brett Wiseman. Hello and welcome back to the Pit Stop here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Welcome back to Franchise Players, your home for triad sports coverage. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson, here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio. And if you think that's great, wait until you see what's next. It's going to be good. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. Tune in at TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. And don't forget to download the new Roku channel, Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Franchise players are often referred to as the face of the franchise. Welcome back to Franchise Players. I am your host, Desmond Johnson, joined by uh, a panel that will be, uh, some of them will be, he- well, all of them will be heavily involved in high school football 2021. We're so proud to uh, be in this arrangement, our uh, partnership with Southern Broadcasting Media here in the triad to bring you the best high school football games in the triad each and every week. Not one, but two games split out, Guilford County and Forsyth County games of the week uh, begin August the 20th. Uh, here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Uh, right now, we're going to actually, the schedule came out uh, noon Friday. You can go find that on Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram. Just go search Tobacco Road Sports Radio and you can find those there. Uh, or go to sportscarolinamonthly.com and it's uh, posted there as well. Ryan Stone and Joe, uh, excuse me, Ryan Stone and JP Mundy here with us. They are going to be on the call for these Guilford County games uh, this season. And we are joined by Joe Serrera, the walking encyclopedia of high school football in the triad. Uh, guys, what's going on? How are you guys doing? Football, well, man. So I, I could not wait to to do this. Um, let me just lay it out here for the. We're going to do the Guilford uh, schedule here. Uh, Brandon Blakeney, Rod Funderburk, and I think JP, uh, Jay Spivey will be with us uh, to do the Forsyth side uh, as well. And then we'll actually have some more news regarding high school football uh, programming on Tobacco Road uh, later on. Uh, in July. Uh, I want to get into the schedule. Uh, it is loaded. It is the Tobacco Road Sports Radio WCOG Game of the Week. Uh, Guilford County WCOG uh, is 1320 a.m. You can listen to it through terrestrial radio there every Friday night, or you can just go to TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com and stream it uh, like you did last year. Uh, let's get into some of these games, guys. I'm going to kind of group them into groups of three uh, and just get an idea of what we're looking at here. Week one starts off with a bang. August the 20th, uh, Clayton, the Comets, coming to Greensboro to visit the defending 4A state champion Grimsley Whirlies. That's a 7.30 kickoff. The following week, those same Whirlies will go on the road uh, across the triad to take on Reagan. And then week three, September 3rd, we've got a classic triad matchup between uh, the three AA state champion, Mount Tabor, uh, traveling to Greensboro to take on uh, Greensboro Page. Um, let's uh, let's just start off there with those first three games there. Uh, out of those three, what's something that stands out for you guys uh, in terms of uh, kicking off the season? 
well, three state champions in the uh, in the first three weeks of the schedule. So, I mean, that's something to, <laughs> yeah. that's something to be, uh, be excited about right there. I mean, uh, Clayton's a team that uh, they only lost two games last year. Both of those are back in the spring. Both of those were to Cleveland. Uh, who made the uh, who made the state championship? So Clayton, uh, a very strong program as well, going up against the uh, the reigning state champs in uh, in Grimsley, who bring back the number three ranked player in the country in uh, in Travis Shaw. While most of this area kind of eagerly anticipates his uh, his decision whether he'll choose the uh, the Tar Heels or uh, or Clemson, uh, and then you've got uh, Alonzo Barnett, their starting quarterback, back also Tamore Thompson, who was a standout defensive end, who's starting to get. Uh, a lot more offers. Uh, he'll be back uh, as well. So uh, excited to see uh, what Grimsley can do in terms of trying to defend their state championship. You, you mentioned Clayton uh, being a runner-up in the uh, state championships last year. They actually lost to Mount Tabor. Uh, we actually had that game on Tobacco Road, and it was a pretty good game. Uh, Mount Tabor kind of had control of it throughout most of it, but uh, you could kind of see Clayton had some speed on their side. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see them matched up uh, at Grimsley week one there. Uh, JP, what are your thoughts the first three uh, weeks of the season here as you and Ryan are going to trot out to call these games? I'm really excited to see uh, Alonza Barnett um, adjust to some new uh, receivers. Um, I, I think they are set up for success this year. The Whirlies are. I'm also um, interested in seeing what Reagan brings to the table. I think that defensively the Raiders are – are going to be better this year. Um, and, and I think with a real off season, I think that their offense could be a lot better. They need dudes and they need buy-in at Reagan. So I, I, I'm very interested in that second game. I'm also interested to see what happens at page page went through some growing pains to say the least last year. And I'd like to see Joe knows more about what they've got in the, in the hopper, but I'm really interested to see the growth at page. Page actually on here uh, a couple of times uh, this season. Joe, what, what are your thoughts on that? Piggybacking off of what JP was saying, Page is usually a perennial power in high school football here in the Triad. Had some lean times uh, for the program the past couple of years. They're in the middle of a rebuild. Um, they will be taking on a visiting, uh, very vicious defense in Mount Tabor and the Spartans coming in from Winston-Salem on September the 3rd. Yeah, uh, pa Page is definitely going to struggle again, I think, this year. Uh, Doug Robertson took over last season. Uh, he had some had a state championship team at Reedsville. Took Eastern Guilford to a state championship game in a regional final. He came in from Thomasville. Um, he, he's having trouble right now. Biggest issue is is players leaving. Uh, they were leaving before he took over, and they've continued to leave. Uh, Grimsley picked up one of them, KJ Moorhead, a linebacker, second team uh, HSExtra.com all area player for us, is now oh, at Grimsley. Wow. And uh, it's, that's been a real struggle there. One thing that will be a key for them this season is uh, they picked up a transfer last season, Trayvon Hester, big running back, a real workhorse, tough kid with some speed too, who had come in from Northeast Guilford, uh, where he went for over 1,000 yards as a sophomore. He blew out his ACL last November in a, a non-contact workout and missed the entire season. If they had him last year, I think it wouldn't have been quite as much of a struggle for the Pirates. I think if he's healthy this year, and I hope he is because it, it he he needs film to be looked at at the college level and you know to get onto that level. But if he's healthy, that will at least give them some ground game. Uh, Doug Robertson will coach up his lineman. He he's an offensive lineman. 
And when he was at Eastern Guilford, he was their JV offensive line coach in addition to being the varsity head coach. That's how much he focuses on and cares about line play. He'll get it done there, but boy, it's it's going to be more of a struggle, I think, than he thought it was going to be because of an exodus of players to various programs. Uh, that's going to be a rough one. Uh, Tabor's got enough coming back when you know when you've got guys like uh, Kobe Perez, Noah Marshall, Lance Patterson, uh, MVP from the state championship game. Oh, Elliot yeah. Green, a kicker who's a weapon. I mean, he was he was a weapon. Beat basically beat Dudley twice with his leg, and he was a factor all year. You know that's going to be a really tough game for Page, and Page is in a tough conference. Uh, Grimsley to me is the most loaded team by far in the triad. You guys mentioned Alonzo Barnett, uh, a transfer from page jail Melton, the running back, another transfer from page. They may have one of the best three man defensive lines, not only in North Carolina, maybe in the high school ranks in the country this year. Yeah. You've got yeah. Travis Shaw at six, six, three thirty. We know, we know how good he is based on the offers he's got and, and his final schools. Tamori Thompson, a little bit undersized, about 5'11", maybe 225, 230, but incredibly quick off the edge. He was a, a, a huge factor in the state championship game. And they picked up a transfer, a young man named Jamal Jarrett from Smith High School. A rising junior, 6'5", 290, and he can move. When he hit the camp circuit, when things opened back up after COVID in June, the first three days he had five ACC offers, and he is now – uh, after transferring from Smith, he is at Grimsley. That's going to be your line. Yes, they lose all four of their linebackers from last season, and they were all very good, but they're going to plug K.J. Moorhead into one of those spots, and that three-man front is going to keep those linebackers clean in a lot of games. They're going to be free to roam around and make plays. Uh, on offense, they also bring back a great receiver in Tyson Resper and a young man who was a freshman last year who didn't get a lot of targets, but the coaches love Alex Taylor, a long, athletic, fast, wide receiver. Grimsley is going to be very good once again. I'm, I'm really interested in seeing uh, what Grimsley does this year because really the past three years, they've been the hunters. They've been trying to get to a certain level by getting past certain area teams. Now that they're there, they're now they're the hunted. And I'm kind of curious to see how they respond to being in that position because, to be honest, they haven't been in that position for as long as I've been covering high school football over the past you know decade or so here in the triad, this is new territory for the Grimsley Whirlies. But as you said, uh, Joe, they are stacked. They are loaded uh, talent-wise. They've got experienced kids coming back. And you might as well count Travis Shaw as three people instead of just <laughs> one player. Yeah, and, and, and Jamal Jarrett is huge. And that first week, that game with Clayton is going to be interesting because mm-hmm. of realignment. Clayton was a, a, an East Regional finalist last year in 3AA. They're in 4A now, and 4A is 4A and 4AA combined. So this is a potential, maybe a playoff preview, maybe not, but these are two teams that should be playoff teams in in 4A this year. And Clayton's got a kid in defensive end named Donovan Spellman, an edge rusher who's committed to app who's very good. He's a player to watch. I probably should have mentioned that at the very beginning. For those that aren't aware – the, the the eight classifications that they had been doing for high school football only in North Carolina ended with the spring season. So now there's no four double A, four A, three double A, three A. It's gone back to the old school four classifications, four A, three A, two A, one A. So now you're going to see a lot of interaction between uh, schools that may not have ran across each other. Uh, as I mentioned uh, before, we came on the air. Glenn's going to go play Vance on the road, like week three, I think it's of the season. It's not Vance anymore. It's Julius Chambers High School. It's oh, Julius they Chambers. 
Yeah. What? Oh, why did they change it? They're not going to play that uh, game. It's uh, uh, Mr. Vance was a slave owner. And oh. Julius Chambers is a it was a legendary civil rights lawyer. They made the name change. Oh, the name change. I got you. Okay. I'm I'm totally yep. in the dark. I didn't even realize yep, that's, that. Wow, that's fantastic. I love that. Yep. That, that's great. I love that. Yep. So I, I like the move, but that's gonna take that's gonna take some getting used to is uh Padre yeah. Vance is well. Yeah, yep. especially the past couple of years. Vance has dominated the top uh four double A section the past two years and counting. Uh, with probably one of the nastiest defenses in the state, so we'll we'll uh, try to remember that name change as we're going uh, through our scoreboards and whatnot. Uh, let's hit the next batch of games starting September the tenth. High Point Andrews going to Winston to take on Parkland uh, at Deaton Thompson Stadium. Uh, both uh, schools in the middle of trying to rebuild programs that have seen uh, previous glory and, and uh, previous years, both of them trying to get back on track. Parkland entering the, what we affectionately call the conference of death this season, the central Piedmont 4A conference moving up from 3A into what may be the most toughest conference in the entire state of North Carolina, top to bottom. Uh, September 17th, Northern Guilford, uh, the Nighthawks will travel to Jamestown to take on Ragsdale. Uh, the Tigers are on the schedule a couple of times this season. They've been in the playoffs past couple of years, if I'm not mistaken. And then September 24th, Grimsley returns to the schedule on the road. Uh, they'll be traveling north to take on Northwest Guilford. Uh, that's a 7.30 kickoff, September the 24th. Uh, guys, thoughts on this batch of games here? High Point Andrews at Parkland, Northern Guilford at Ragsdale, Grimsley at Northwest Guilford. Well, High Point Andrews at, uh, at Parkland is kind of interesting in the fact that both those teams are trying to rebuild. Uh, so I guess, you know, for, for both those programs, it's, it's a chance to – put one in the win column early in the season and maybe build some po positive momentum for those, uh, for those programs uh, early in the, uh, early in the season. I, I think, you know, Grimsley and Northwest Guilford on the 24th has the, has the potential to maybe be another interesting matchup. I think Northwest Guilford has uh, some pretty decent players back as well. Uh, so maybe one of the few chances on the schedule that uh, the Grimsley potentially gets, uh, gets tested. Yeah, I think an interesting link of Andrews and Parkland is the Parkland AD. He's a longtime uh, Winston-Salem guy, Linwood Gerald. He was the AD at Andrews in 2013 when they won a, their last state championship, uh, and he's oh, wow. moved over to Parkland. Mm -hmm. So that's probably one of the reasons that game was scheduled. He's got a connection there. But both of those programs are, are, are really kind of struggling right now. And, you know, as Ryan said, it's a chance for one of them to, to get a win you know, right as, as you head into conference play and get a little bit of momentum. And I think that's the, the best thing they can hope for there. Northern Guilford Ragsdale. Uh, Northern Guilford is now in the Metro 4A uh, over on, on the Greensboro side of the triad. That's a move up for them. They're one of the smaller 4A schools in the state in terms of enrollment. But they, they are a good program. They will be able to compete in that conference. Uh, Ragsdale lost a lot of talent from last season. They're going to be in a little bit of a rebuilding mode, I, I believe. You know, they've got a few guys back, but uh, it's going to be a rebuild. But Northern, Northern comes in with some talent. They've got a running back, kick returner, Jordan McGinnis, who is an all-area kid for us. Uh, Connor Lucheski, really good defensive end with a lot of upside, a 6'4", 235, 240 kid who's going to get better. Uh, Ishmael Atkins was an all-area defensive back, uh, a safety for the Nighthawks. And Terrell Timmons, one of the receivers, is a long, uh, fast target. He's already committed to eat to uh, James Madison, where he will team up with Alonzo Barnett from Grimsley. So they both committed on the same uh, weekend. 
uh, up in Harrisonburg, Virginia. They lose their quarterback, Will Leonard, and he was a good one. He put up some great numbers while he was there. They're going to have to rebuild at that position. And a lot of what they do out of a spread offense, he's throwing the ball. But uh, that was a good Northern Guilford team this past year. Their only two losses were to Eastern Alamance and Western Alamance. Eastern Alamance, they led deep into the fourth quarter and had a chance to win it at the end on a deflected pass, didn't catch it. And the Western Alamance game was the one that ended at 12.59 a.m. on the last night of the regular season after all those storm delays. They lost that game in overtime. They win either of those during the playoffs, and uh, they only had two losses. That was a good football team. And Northwest Guilford, yeah, as Ryan said, they've got some talent back. Xavier Simmons is a big-time linebacker, uh, outside guy, heading to Virginia Tech and committed. Uh, some guys who were kind of following in the footsteps of older brothers, Trenton Cloud is a receiver and kick returner, much like Cam Cloud. Bristol Carter's a good defensive back. Uh, Northwest Guilford has kind of turned things back around under Kevin Wallace. They're a solid program. They had to kind of keep some players and, and get them to stop transferring and settle in. But that's a good program now, too. JP, uh, they mentioned uh, both Ryan and um... – Hold on, I'm sorry, my computer froze. Uh, Ryan and Joe both mentioned uh, Northwest Guilford and Northern Guilford separately in terms of maybe being able to challenge Grimsley. Uh, the Metro 4A grew uh, also um, this past offseason into a larger conference, but I've kind of looked at it like Grimsley still looks like they can kind of run through it. Is there a team that you see off of these initial uh, games that can maybe challenge Grimsley for the Metro 4A? Um, you know, I think uh, like Joe was saying that they had to, that Northwest had to keep people from transferring and get everything to, uh, settled down there. And I don't think people realize um, how bad it got over there uh, as far as kids um, with a mass exodus. I think that they are the ones um, that had the best chance. Kevin Wallace is a uh, is a great coach. Um, and he had, he's got buy-in over there, and I'm, I'm really happy for his success. You know, looking at this batch of three games we're talking about, I'm, I'm excited for just non-football reasons. I get to see the Parkland Band. Um, North, yep. I get to go, we get to go to Ragsdale, which is always a great place to go and watch a football game. And then, of course, we get to go to Northwest Guilford, which are, is a great place also to watch a game. And their band is great, and it's a great opponent. Um, this is going to be a solid three weeks of football. Yeah, yeah, one other yeah. team in that conference that might be able to challenge a little bit is Southwest Guilford, a team that moved up from 3A. Mm -hmm. I know they're not on this schedule, but uh, they've got a good quarterback coming back in Joey McGinnis. And uh, they, they, were, they were playing well by the end of last season. They're, maybe, they're, maybe not, they're not ready to tra challenge Grimsley, but they're going to be a factor in that league. And these schedules, uh, just like the NFL, they're able to be flexed if necessary. So as we get deeper into the season and we start seeing some guys or teams inevitably start to emerge that we didn't expect or some teams that fall back uh, to the pack that we didn't expect, we'll be able to, to tweak these schedules as we go. Um, with me right now, J.P. Mundy, Ryan Stone, and Joe Serrera from the Greenboro News and Record and Winston-Salem Journal. Uh, the, J.P. and Ryan are on the call for these games in Guilford County. Uh, the WCOG Tobacco Road Sports Radio Game of the Week, the Guilford County schedule. You can listen to it at WCOG 1320 a.m. Uh, each Friday starting August the 20th during the football season or stream it anywhere you are on your uh, phone, laptop, tablet, whatever you've got. TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. 
Um, let's get into October, and that's usually when things start getting thick in the triad in terms of high school football. The weather changes over literally overnight. Leaves start falling. You start getting that Christmas in the air for uh, for fall football. And October 1st, we start off with a, uh, one of the granddaddy rival games in the triad, Smith at Dudley, uh, 7.30 p.m., Ragsdale at Grimsley the following week, October the 8th at 7.30 p.m., and then Ragsdale at Northwest Guilford, October the 15th. So huge spotlight on Ragsdale in October. Uh, but of course, we got to start off with that Smith at Dudley matchup, which might end up, I haven't checked it, it might be Dudley's homecoming on top of that, uh, October the 1st. Um, tell me the, the atmosphere at uh, Dudley whenever Smith comes to town. Well, it's huge. I mean, it, these, these teams, uh, going back 10, 15 years, they were playing the game at Aggie Stadium for about three or four years, and there were a couple of Friday nights when they filled Aggie Stadium for this matchup. Good Lord. It's, it, it's become very one-sided over the last eight to ten years in favor of Dudley. Uh, Smith has really struggled. The interesting thing with Smith, new coach, a guy uh, who's familiar to people in the triad and has had a lot of success, won two state championships, Scott Bell from High Point Christian. Oh, yeah. The new Smith coach. And he, he's he got some work to do there in terms of keeping players from, from going to other schools from their attendance zone and basically changing the culture there. But uh, he's got some folks on his staff. His uh, defensive coordinator is a former Smith quarterback who knows knows the lay of the land. And that that's I think it's going to take a while, obviously, for him to get it going. But I think that's going to spice up that matchup. And Dudley – uh, other than Grimsley, Dudley might be the second most loaded team in in the triad uh, in terms of talent coming back. And, you know, they they get up for this rivalry, even though it, it's been a little bit unbalanced. It still means a lot to the Dudley folks, to uh, the Panther Nation when these two teams get together. But Jameer Slade's back at quarterback. He's a good one. Makai Wall is going to be uh, a power five kick returner receiver. He's got offers all over the place. And then they're really good up front as most Dudley teams. Jaheim Pittman was the first team all area defensive lineman for us. And then they've got a couple of uh, second team all area offensive linemen back. Trayvon Humphrey, Jonathan Neal. They're going to want to run the ball with those guys. Uh, Jalen Richmond is a really good linebacker coming back. Dudley's loaded. They're going to dominate that game with Smith. The big thing there for Scott Bell in his first year is to make that Smith team more competitive to get kids to want to play for the Golden Eagles again. And I think he'll do that. I, I feel like Dudley's going to get flexed into the bottom half of the schedule a little bit more than hey. where they currently are. Um, <laughs> just uh, just hearing what they've got coming back and just knowing the program they've got over there. Uh, Ryan, what are your thoughts on uh, on Dudley uh, going into this 2021 fall season and that 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 rivalry game, one of the biggest in the, the whole triad, Smith and uh, Dudley, October the 1st? Well, Dudley's, I mean, they're, they're loaded. Um, Mikhail Wall, I mean, he – he can absolutely fly. Uh, like Joe said, I mean, I think he, he's got offers from six ACC schools, uh, South Carolina, West Virginia, a slew of others uh, as, uh, as well. And he is, he's a burner. Uh, you can expect Dudley to use him uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, we got to see him uh, in one game last fall, uh, last spring. Uh, and he, he's a guy that's, uh, he, he's a game breaker uh, as a lot of coaches would, uh, would like to uh, like to call him. So, uh, you know, I think the fact they bring him back, uh, a bunch of other talented guys back as well. I, I agree with you. I think we're going to be seeing uh, more of Dudley in the uh, in the second half of this schedule than what they're uh, they're initially on there because they're they're playing a lot of important games and they've got you know Makai Wall's the 15th ranked uh, player in the, uh, the state according to uh, 247 Sports. So 
they've got uh, they've got a star on the roster as well. JP, you were just talking about how uh, the previous batch of games that we went through, how you're excited about uh, things kind of off the field, the atmospheres and things that uh, you guys, you and Ryan are going to be able to experience going to some of these venues uh, during this uh, fall season. I don't know if there's a venue that's more electric than uh, Smith Dudley when they get together. Usually you can throw the records out. Um, and I'm very familiar with Coach Bell. Uh, we actually uh, broadcasted High Point Christian's spring season when uh, we were in the we were knee deep in uh, the COVID pandemic, uh, and High Point Christian allowed us to come out and broadcast their uh, their games. Uh, a very, from what I remember from High Point Christian, they are very uh, offensive minded in terms of what they do offensively. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think he had gotten a couple of kids from the triad to come to High Point Christian to play football. Uh, last spring that were really good players. Um, so uh, it might not take too long for Smith to kind of get it together if they if uh, some players follow Scott Bell and uh, try to put that tradition back together. Uh, what are your thoughts, JP, on uh, Smith at Dudley? And are you going to be able to uh, hold a plate of fish for me? I, I knew you were setting me up. I, knew you were setting me up. <laughs> I, I mean, it's great. There's the fact that I get to see Jameer and Mackay play, and I want to really just get the chance to see all the dudes that Dudley have. That That's all secondary. Sorry, boys, because we get to right behind that press box is where they're going to do the fish fry, and I cannot wait. Um, I, it's been a while, so I'm looking forward to, get, to getting back uh, to Tarpley Stadium. I did uh... – I did a Smith Dudley game. Wow, it's probably been seven, eight, nine years now uh, with Tolly Carr um, for uh, Black Network Television. It was an outlet that had been started here in the Triad, and they had a Dudley contract, so they were doing all the Dudley games. And uh, that particular year, they were at Smith, so we're sitting at Smith and we're in their their press box, uh, you know, getting ready to call the game. And I think it was Smith's homecoming because it was packed; like the whole track had people standing around it, and everybody's in the stands and stuff. And we're just kind of sitting there and all of a sudden, like the entire press box starts rumbling. Like it just started like, like rumbling, like an earthquake almost. And we're like, what the hell is going on? And we look over the the ridge, like, like outside of the football stadium from the press box, like where the, uh, the parking lots are for Smith. And all of a sudden you see A&T's marching band coming over the ridge with Dudley's marching band together, like into Smith's like football field. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. They were so loud. And like they drowned out the entire audience, and AT's band stayed there like the entire game, and actually was pretty much Dudley's band uh, for that game. Dudley won that game, by the way. But that experience, you don't really catch that anyplace else uh, in the triad to have a school that's so affiliated uh, and so close to proximity to a, a major university who's moving up themselves. AT moving up to the Big South uh, this year out of the MIAC. So uh, maybe you might get a, uh, an AT band sighting over at Dudley uh, for that Smith Dudley game. And yeah, I would imagine. Didn't we get one, Joe? Didn't we get one at Grimsley a couple of years ago? Did yeah, they try so them out there too? Oh, it was yeah. awesome. Yeah. They were yeah, the blue, blue and gold marching machine is is worth the price of admission. No yes. doubt. So like that whole thing, the band, the fish, the, the environment, Dudley's going to have a good team. Smith's going to be up for it because it's their rival. So that should be uh, good, too. And then here at the bottom of the schedule, as it's currently written, uh, another huge rivalry, probably the biggest rivalry in Greensboro, Page at Grimsley, uh, October the 22nd. Dudley will be traveling out to McLeansville to take on Eastern Guilford on October the 29th. And then, of course, the first round of the NCHS AA state playoffs will begin uh, November the 5th 
uh, first round. And we'll uh, let you know, you know, of course, who's going to be involved with that as we get there. Uh, thoughts on Paige, and Gr- Paige at Grimsley and Dudley at Eastern Guilford. Uh, Dudley at Eastern Guilford's kind of turned into a, a rivalry in itself uh, over the past decade or so, with both Dudley and Eastern Guilford being pretty good uh, programs uh, over the over those uh, years. And then, of course, we talked about Paige kind of uh, rebuilding. Grimsley has emerged as a top uh, team in the state. But Paige and Grimsley, that, that's usually one of those games where they have to play it at Jameson Stadium because it seats 10,000. It's like one of the biggest high school stadiums in the state of North Carolina. And uh, those two teams usually get after it whenever they see each other. Uh, what are your thoughts on the end of the schedule here? Paige at Grimsley and then the season finale, Dudley at Eastern Guilford. Mm, man, the last thing that Paige needs, in my opinion, is to be playing a, a Grimsley team at Grimsley that's already in playoff mode. And by that time in the in the schedule, Daryl will have the have them in playoff mode. And I, I just it's a rivalry game, but I mean, when it gets to helmet on helmet, I you know I just think that Grimsley is going to probably come out on top in that game you know anything can happen but man that's a that's a tough one for late in the season yeah <laughs> and then and then the dudley eastern guilford matchup uh i, I actually I just checked before we had hopped on here eastern guilford is so excited to even be on this schedule they've already retweeted and <laughs> said mm-hmm. thank you and all this other stuff and i'm just like i i, I would have put them on there more often but uh eastern guilford's kind of the edge of our our broadcasting area but I just couldn't deny the 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 draw of Dudley going to Eastern Guilford last week of the season. Conferences might be in play there. Uh, what what's um, the situation with Eastern Guilford, Joe? Because I know they had uh, a a couple of years there where they were just churning out talent. Uh, what do you expect for Eastern Guilford this year? Well, that was that was when Doug Robertson was there. Uh, Got to a state championship game, lost to Weddington, got to a regional final. Uh, I was over there at New Hanover, and uh, twice uh, Dominique Graves, who went on to his had a very good career as Winston-Salem State's quarterback, twice he got over the goal line there with the ball, and uh, the official said he was down, and that was uh, kind of the decider in that game, and New Hanover won that state title. But um, Tony Aguilar is the coach now. He spent a number of years as Eastern Alamance's offensive coordinator, and they put up some big numbers, uh, John Kirby's team over there. Uh, he's having to ch- kind of change the system a little bit there, get things going. They were had a really bad break this past season in that uh, they should have been a playoff team, except that one of their opponents had a COVID issue, a lot like what happened with West Forsyth. And they beat uh, Southern Guilford. Eastern Guilford did badly to end the regular season. And Southern Guilford got into the playoffs, and they didn't because Southern Guilford got all of its games in, and Eastern Guilford didn't. And that kept them out of the playoffs. Uh, They were very good last year. They did lose some talent. Hezekiah Newby, really good running back, Wall area kid for us, and and some other guys. But they're, they're a solid program. They're not. I don't think they're ready to compete with Dudley for 48 minutes, but uh, they may be the second best team in that conference. Uh, Southeast Guilford was in Eastern Guilford's conference and kind of dominated it the last few years, but they're another team that's moved up into the Metro. So uh, it, it's probably going to be Dudley and Eastern Guilford to decide that conference. Right. Judge, Judge, more importantly for Ryan and I, Joe, isn't there a Smithfield's chicken and barbecue? 
near, near uh, it's in Mebane. It's, it's, it's then, farther uh, down. Yeah. Now, there's there, there's one at Alamance Crossing. Yeah. Uh, probably 20 minutes. There's a Zaxby's about six <laughs> or seven minutes or less that's open recently from uh, Eastern Guilford as well hey. as the Waffle House that'll be there hey. in about two Ooh. weeks. That's what I. That's Don't what I was, That's all I need. Don't ever just, say I never treated you, boys. Tell me what. Tell me what I can. Give me the scouting report. That's kind of out out my way. I leave out that way. Yeah. The the uh, yeah. Actually, me and Ryan were actually uh, at Alamance Crossing. We had lunch over there. Um, what were we doing? Oh, we were doing the uh, the four A uh, baseball state championship from yep, Burlington Athletic Park. Yeah. Yep. So we drove up into Mebbin and uh, had lunch at a Mexican place at uh, Alamance Crossing, and uh, it's really good. Yeah. There's a Smithfield's barbecue over there. It's probably. Eastern Guilford, Eastern Guilford's on like the the backside of McLeansville, Sedalia area, so it's like Gibsonville, technically. Yeah, yeah, Gibsonville. My my mom grew up in Sedalia, so I, yep. I that's like my mom's yep. side of the family out there. Um, yep. I remember when it was all farmland; there was nothing yep. <laughs> out there. It was just fields and fields and fields. Uh, my grandfather lived uh, in Sedalia, so uh, now you drive through there, twenty twenty one, and it's like. There's a Taco Bell right here. There's a well, store right here. A giant Publix distribution center. It'll be Publix's largest distribution center in the country. Jeez. And it's off of 70 there. I mean, it, it's there was a golf course there, and the golf course and beyond is is going to be Publix's distribution center. So there, so that's the uh the Guilford side here. Again, this is the Tobacco Road Sports Radio slash WCOG game of the week. Uh, very happy with our partnership with Southern Broadcast Media here in the tribe to bring you the best high school football uh, throughout the entire season. Uh, playoffs included all the way to the state championship rounds. Uh, again, J.P. Mundy and Ryan Stone will be on the uh, call for the Guilford side. And I hope to have Joe pop in and out throughout the season uh, just to kind of give us some insight on what's going on around the triad. Uh, sounds like Grimsley might be ready for uh, a role. I'm actually, as we get out of here, I'm actually very curious with Grimsley. They have gotten to the point where I want to see them play some more Charlotte teams. We saw them play. Um, who do they play, Ryan, in the playoffs? You had played the game. Butler. 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 They played a hot Butler team yeah. uh, and beat them uh, really at the last minute, if I'm not mistaken. They were down. Yeah, they, opened with Cox, or they played Cox Mill early last season, too. I think it might have been the opener mm-hmm. where no one else played that night, but they played in the rain on the artificial turf down there. And that was kind of a lots of Barnett's coming out party. But, yeah, it would, it would be great if they could get some of those Charlotte teams, but some of those teams don't want to play them. They don't want to go down there. It's- yeah. See, and they're, they're, they're getting to that point. They're getting to that place that a couple other teams in the area have gotten to where – it's kind of hard to schedule weeks one through right. three because nobody wants to play you. Nobody wants to come out and see you. Nobody wants to have Travis Shaw throw their left yeah. guard, you know, 10 yards behind the <laughs> line of scrimmage uh, repeatedly hey. throughout the game. So I hey, get it. Hey, Ryan. Ryan, what game are you looking for? What's the game that stands out to you the most right now as it stands? Uh, I, I mean, I, I got to go Clayton Grimsley uh, just because it, it, it's the beginning of uh, Grimsley – uh, trying to repeat as state champions, we get to see how uh, how hungry they are to uh, to start the season out. And I mean, Clayton, you know, they, like I said, they their only two losses last year were to Cleveland, who was the state runner up. So uh, I think that's a good early test for a uh, for a Grimsley team that you know if they don't uh, if they don't come prepared on that night and they don't come locked in, uh, they could get tripped up early in the season. So I, I think that that opening game. Uh, for Grimsley is is going to say a lot about uh, about how prepared and how uh, how jacked up they are to try to repeat as state champions. I think that Grimsley Reagan game week two is a sneaky uh, game 
uh, the Grimsley needs to watch out for. It's on the road. You got to go out to Pofftown. Reagan's always feisty. They're always going to put points on the board. Uh, that that might turn into a, a pretty good contest there. Um, and of course, I'm I'm actually interested in uh, following Grimsley and Northwest Guilford and Northern throughout the season because I feel I feel like at first Grimsley was just going to run through the Metro, but now I'm kind of like, okay, well maybe Northern, maybe Northwest might give them a little bit of uh, competition going into the season. But it does feel like Grimsley is like the the crown jewel uh, of the Metro uh, right now. Well deserved. It's taking Coach Daryl Brown, you know what, four, four or five plus years to kind of build that program up to where yeah. it is currently right now. Um, and we've kind of watched it along the way. We've seen him, you know, make the playoffs with an under 500 record. We've seen him get blown out by area teams. We've seen him lose in the playoffs. And to, for them to get to where they are right now, I'm just really interested in seeing what Grimsley does going into this season. Uh, we will have the Forsyth side with Brandon Blakeney, Rod Funderburk, and myself uh, a little bit later on here in the week on Franchise Players. I want to say thanks to J.P. Mundy, to Ryan Stone, to Joe Serrera. Uh, follow them on Twitter. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Franchise Players on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville. Beamer Tire and Auto offers full-service auto repair, all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no-appointment-needed Quick Lube Shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and auto repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamRetire.com. Franchise players are often referred to as the face of the franchise. Welcome back into Franchise Players, your home for triad sports talk. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson, per usual. Bringing in an old friend of the program, Errol Marks from the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Errol, what's going on, brother? How you doing, man? Desi, what's going on, my friend? I am chomping at the bit to get into some NFL with actual fans in the stands and, and getting back to some sense of normalcy. And, brother, we're only, what, about a month away from really uh, digging into all this stuff. I wanted to hit a couple of hot spots in the NFL with quarterbacks in particular with you. Uh, and then we're, as we keep deeper and deeper into uh, the end of the NFL offseason, we're going to circle back around because uh, I definitely want to get your opinion on the AFC East as we start doing those previews in a couple of weeks. Um, but let's start off with uh, the, the biggest story, really, when it comes to quarterbacks in the NFL. And, of course, that's Mr. Aaron Rodgers up in Green Bay. Errol, do you think it's a pretty safe bet at this point that Aaron Rodgers is going to be playing in Green Bay this season due to where we actually are in the calendar. I mean, it's it's the middle of July. It's a very interesting story with the whole Aaron Rodgers thing. Well, Aaron Rodgers with the whole Jeopardy situation, I he had the opportunity. That was one of his, I guess, uh, what does he call it? His bucket list that he yeah. wanted to <laughs> host Jeopardy. He did very, very well, and the Jeopardy's still looking for a host. And a lot of people believe that Aaron Rodgers was the guy that they were probably going to choose to be the uh, a predominant host in the future. But Aaron Rodgers still has a lot of work to do. I think he still plans to play in the NFL, uh, being that he's doing the whole Tom Brady uh, diet now. He's doing, what do they call it, the T12 diet. So I think he plans to play for a couple more years. I don't know if it's going to be Green Bay. I think as uh, – 
OTA start and obviously predominant preseason starts, I, I think he's going to try to push himself out of there. But as of right now, he's a Green Bay Packer. And until further uh, is told to all the fans out there or the Green Bay Packer fans, uh, he will be uh, a Green Bay Packer. But I believe that one way or another before the season starts, he will be traded. And I believe it's going to be the Broncos. Former uh, Packer legend Brett Favre had some interesting comments on it. Uh, Peyton Manning did too uh, a couple weeks back where – they're basically kind of saying they don't see him getting moved at this point because at this point, if you move him, you're bringing in somebody with like, you know, three weeks to go before uh, the offseason begins. Or uh, on the other hand, if you're trading for Aaron Rodgers, you're bringing him in with about three weeks to go before the offseason. So you really haven't had a chance to implement anything with him. He hasn't had a chance to get anything installed. And then his contract, this is the last year really of his uh, current contract with Green Bay, the smart money would be to play out this year. He, they've been in the NFC championship game the past two years. And really they were really only a couple of plays away last year of actually going to the Super Bowl. Most of that team is back. Uh, Rogers coming off an MVP campaign. It just feels like I understand he's upset with management. He's been upset with management for a while, apparently, but it just feels like this kind of, it almost feels like the media pulled this out as a, as a, a bigger feud than it actually was. And it just used it as fodder for uh, the NFL offseason because it's, it looks like he's going to just end up being in Green Bay. And then when the season's over, they're just going to let him go um, kind of a la Tom Brady like really where he can just go where he wants to go. And, you know, thank you. And uh, we wish you well in your future endeavors. But I'm not sure if uh, if Green Bay is going to do that or try to push some extra money or dough towards him in the next couple of weeks. Who do you, uh, Errol, who do you think is the best quarterback in the league right now? There's a lot of discussion between Aaron Rodgers or uh, Pat Mahomes or someone else. If you, if you had one game to win, who are you taking between Rodgers or Mahomes or, or would it be somebody else that you would put back there? Well, it's interesting because I think Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the NFL. Look at the players and look at the wide receivers he's thrown to. Besides uh, one receiver, which everybody knows, who's a top three wide receiver in a league, uh, every other wide receiver that he on in his team wasn't even a top 70, top 75 wide receivers in all of the NFL. He makes everybody around him better. And, and we talk about Aaron Jones and the great season he had. What did he do in the playoffs? He gets a 14, 13 and a half million dollar contract in the offseason when he was he wasn't even starting. In in that uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, in the second half of the game, they started Williams and and the the two backup running backs. So I, I think that Aaron Rodgers has been treated uh, disrespectfully by the the Green Bay Packers. They have not given him another wide receiver. Yes, they drafted a wide receiver this year in the third round. Uh, they could have gotten uh, Elijah uh, Elijah Moore, which the Jets drafted in the second round. They could have given him a, a predominantly second threat on the other side of the uh, uh, on the other side of the field, but. They didn't do that, and they're going into the season again where they're trying to pay wide receivers big money, and they don't want to extend Aaron Rodgers' contract. And that's why Aaron Rodgers is is pissed off because he believes he deserves an extension and he should be the highest-paid wide uh, quarterback in the NFL. It's a, it's a shame, but I think he's going to walk away after this year from the Green Bay Packers wherever he decides to go. You know, and it's funny, too. I was sitting back thinking, you know, who would take – or who would need a, at that point, at the end of next year, he'll be 37, if I'm not mistaken. So 38. 38. So, and now Tom Brady, although he is not really the media and he's the outlier in this, uh, normally you don't expect a quarterback to be 42 years old and still performing at the level that he is. Typically they don't, but uh, Rogers, it looks like he takes care of his body. Uh, he hadn't really suffered any major injuries that I can think of over the course of his career. 
Uh, Denver is known to do this type of thing and uh, to bring in a veteran quarterback. But usually, well, the last time with Peyton Manning, they had a def- like a top five defense already. Like it was just there. And they had a good offensive line already. They had some wide receivers like Demarius Thomas already there. I don't know if they have all that right now. So that might not be as appealing to, to Aaron. Same for a place like uh, the Raiders, Las Vegas, something like that. Uh, they've got some pieces, but... Are you doing any better going to Las Vegas than you would have just staying in Green Bay with the the people you got around them? Uh, I mean, it comes to the AFC with Denver with the yeah, wide yeah. Drafted. The AFC West. Uh, they have <laughs> weapons. Denver's got a lot of weapons, and their defense they needed secondary help. There's their their defense played very very well. They have a def- the defensive minded coach uh, from the Chicago Bears. So this is a good Denver. Broncos team. I think they needed to add secondary help. They did with Fuller, and they added a, a, a corner in the first round, a top end corner. So their their weakness was the secondary. Their secondary is definitely strengthened after the last couple of years with Talib and Harris. This is a better defense. I I do believe if the Broncos get Aaron Rodgers, they're a Super Bowl contender in the AFC. Not even a question. I think they're the best team in that division, even with Kansas City in that division. Wow, yo, <laughs> hot yep. take from Errol Marks coming in coming in hot. You can uh, actually. Follow the Worldwide Sports Radio Network on Twitter at WWSRN underscore radio. Errol Marks on the line with us here on uh, Franchise Players. Uh, when I was asked about the best quarterback in the league uh, thing, like who would you take one game to win it all? I, I, you know, I actually treated Pat Mahomes, I almost treated him as if he was overrated the first two years. I just refused to believe the kid was doing some of the stuff he was doing. And it literally took the... Not this past year, but the year before those playoffs where pretty much Kansas City was spotting everybody like 20 some points and then they would come back and win the game Mm -hmm. after the after the second or third time that went down. I was like, okay, this guy might be legit. And then really, honestly, it was his loss in the Super Bowl that made me come around full circle on Pat Mahomes because I'm watching this dude throw like perpendicular to the ground, like hitting guys in the in the numbers <laughs> and they're dropping the ball, hitting him in the face with it. He's getting chased by like eight dudes and like he's still, and he's injured and he's still delivering the ball. Just crazy accuracy. Having said all that, the, the bane of my existence, Tom Brady, is probably still the one quarterback. If I had one game, I needed a quarterback to go out and win. It's, it's probably still him, which is crazy because he's 42. He'll turn 43 uh, this season. Do you see this Max Kellerman cliff for Tom Brady happening anytime soon uh, this year? Or uh, do you think this is something Brady can continue to ride for another year or two? Well, I think with the whole Tampa Bay Buccaneers, all the players coming back this year, predominantly it's the same team. Uh, Leonard Fournette hopefully could stay healthy this year. This team could stay healthy. Uh, This was one of the more impressive offensive lines, a team, an offensive line that wasn't as good the last couple of years. It's been their weakness, became one of their strengths. Um, they have a lot of weapons, and they they added a corner in last year's draft that it was fantastic in the playoffs. I, I think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be very hard to beat. The NFC is more weaker than they were over the last couple of years. I think there are more predominantly strong AFC teams uh, in the AFC that can make huge runs for the of the Super Bowl this year than NFC teams. I would say there might be three or four teams in the NFC that can win a Super Bowl, and predominantly three out of the, the five teams, four teams that can make it are in the same division. The mm-hmm. Rams, the San Francisco 49ers, and maybe the Seattle Seahawks are one of those teams. So yeah. I, I, I even the Buccaneers, their division, I mean, are you going to trust, trust the Saints now that Drew Brees isn't there? I, there is nobody in that division that's going to challenge the Buccaneers. I mean, the Atlanta Falcons, give me a break. 
I mean, <laughs> I mean, Carolina might be good this year, and they could be dangerous. But Carolina is still a rebuilding team. Um, yeah. Adding a young quarterback like Sam Darnold, uh, I think that they have weapons. I think they're secondary. And they need to get pass rushers. That's been Carolina's problem the last couple yeah. of years. But uh, I think Carolina is going to be a lot better this year, and I think they have a young quarterback they can build their team around. We're going to cut. We're actually going to circle around to Sam Darnold here in just a second. And uh, I do agree with Carolina. I think some people are starting to come around and pick them as a dark horse playoff team. Um, they uh, for, they shouldn't have won five games last year. When you look at the consider, when you look at the situation that uh, Matt Rule walked into, he met his players face to face the first time, like into July, like because of COVID and everything. They were doing everything via Zoom. Uh, the the Panthers had the most turnover of any team in the league from 2019 to 2020, bar none. Uh, and then you know used their entire draft on defense. So they had a lot that it would have been excused if they weren't able to win a lot of games, but they won five games, went five and 11, and they were actually competitive throughout the season. So I am curious about them. I am with you on the Atlanta Falcons. I don't, I don't understand why people trust this team. <laughs> they have shown us time and time again to not trust the Atlanta Falcons. Um, but with Tampa, though, I was thinking back on it. It's really rare for an NFL team to repeat as Super Bowl champion. We, we tend to pick the team that won the Super Bowl a lot to win the next year, but usually something happens and they don't. Uh, the Patriots being the last team that actually pulled that off. And that was 2003, 2004. It's been a long time since there's been a team that repeated. Um, each season, the NFL has a team that didn't make the playoffs the year before that gets in and a team that made the playoffs the year before and fails to get in. Who are your picks for surprise team to make the playoffs and team that will miss the playoffs? And I actually brought a cheat sheet here because I didn't prep you on that at all. Uh, you probably already know, but the uh, last year, the playoff teams in the AFC were the Chiefs, the Bills, the Steelers, the Titans, the Ravens, the Browns, and the Colts. In the NFC, it was the Packers, the Saints, the Seahawks, the Washington football team, Tampa Bay, the Rams, and the Bears. Uh, Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl from the fifth seed in the NFC. Starting off, what uh, team that made the playoffs, or actually, what team? Yeah, well, let's do it that way. What team that made the playoffs last year, either from the AFC or NFC, do you expect to not make the playoffs this year? I don't think Seattle's going to make the playoffs this year. I, I think the whole Russell Wilson dispute. I think he really wants out of there. Uh, I think there, there, there are a lot of weaknesses to this team. They lost a, a corner in 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 the offseason this year to Jacksonville. I, I think they're weaker than they ever have been. And they and Jamal Adams, who they made a trade for, which they gave two first round draft picks to. They haven't even signed him. Uh, I think he's going to be disgruntled. Uh, he's going to be coming to camp not very happy. Oh. Uh, I think Seattle is going to take a back seat um, in the AFC. Uh, I, I'm kind of questioning the Pittsburgh Steelers. They mm. lost a lot of defensive players this offseason. They're not a strong team. They were a lot better in the first half of the season. Then they fell off in the second half of the season. Yeah. And I'm giving Mike Tomlin a three-year extension. I think Tomlin could be fired this year if they don't make the playoffs. So um, I think it's Pittsburgh. I don't trust Ben Roethlisberger's arm. Uh you know, everything you just said about the Steelers, I totally agree. It felt like they feasted off of a super weak schedule and then got exposed at the very end of the season and just couldn't get right like after that. Uh, and plus, Ben, it doesn't, Ben wasn't really pushing the ball down the field last year. He was checking down. And we all know Ben Roethlisberger was kind of built like Cam Newton. He'd rather pressure it 25 yards down the field if he can sling it that way than to check down in front of an open receiver right in front of him. And last year, Ben started checking down. So it makes me wonder. 
not everybody's Tom Brady. You know, all those quarterbacks from his uh, draft class, Eli Manning, Phillip Rivers, they're all retired. So it, it wouldn't be a far-fetched thing to think that Ben is at the end of his career, and we might be seeing that as we speak. Uh, on the other side, Nate, give me a team that didn't make the playoffs last year that you're looking at really hard in terms of being able to break into uh, the playoffs here. I think the the schedules for the NFC East, even though I think Washington is the predominantly better, they have the predominantly better defense. Uh, and adding Ryan Fitzpatrick is he, you give uh, wide receivers consistency at the quarterback position. I think Washington could definitely make it as a wild card team. I think the wild card team can come out of the the NFC East. It's either the Cowboys or the Giants. The Giants have a predominantly fair. Uh, schedule. I think the Giants could actually win 10 games this year out of the 17 games, adding the one game. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think the Cowboys, if Dak Prescott could stay healthy, I don't trust the defense, but they added some defensive help uh, in, in the draft and they added uh, safety. Um, I think they might need a corner. I thought Richard Sherman would be a great fit for them, but everything that we've heard just recently happened. I don't know if Richard Sherman's going to have a job. So right. um, I think it, one of these teams from the NFC could definitely squeak into the playoffs and make some noise. Um, as far as the AFC is concerned, uh, it's the New England Patriots. Uh, with the, mm. the players that they added, I, I think they spent over $140, $130 million this offseason. They added some wide receiving help, tight end help, uh, defensive help, pass rushing help. I mean, they're trying to win now, and I, I think Cam Newton, I don't know if he's the guy. I believe Mac Jones predominantly is going to start one way or another this year. I think he's going to be very, very good. He reminds me of Tom Brady. I think he fits the Patriot way and what they do. He doesn't look athletic, just like Tom Brady, but I think he can stand in the pocket and make every single throw. So I think it's New England that's going to surprise everybody uh, in the AFC. I totally 100% agree. Uh, don't know what we're going to get out of Cam Newton. Uh, you know, dude had COVID in the middle of the season last year and, and actually was playing pretty well the, yep. those first four weeks before he got COVID. And then after that, just, I mean, he got thrown into it so fast, having to learn a Patriots playbook. He's been there over a year now. Um, and I was joking with a friend. I was like, you know what? I, I would, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Josh McDaniels and Belichick throw out some kind of crazy two quarterback type system where Cam is running like a power run game but he can still throw it and Mac Jones comes in for like uh passing situations and things like that. And, or they're both out there at the same time. I can see them playing around and doing some stuff like that. No one seems to believe me, but when it actually happens, they're gonna be like, Oh my gosh, they've, they've reinvented football. I'm like, that, that, that seems like the normal thing that they would do. But um, I was going to ask you some Sam Darnold questions. I'm going to hold off and put a pin in it, bring you back. Uh, and that'll double as a believe in Panthers podcast on the believe podcast network. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know you're a huge jets fan yes. and I want to get the lowdown from a jets fan on what could we truly expect from Sam Darnold, uh, with the, uh, a top three running back like Christian McCaffrey behind him. And he's going to have 2000 yard receivers, uh, with them. Plus the, the picks that, uh, the Panthers have brought in. So we'll definitely bring you back for that, but go and listen to the worldwide sports radio network. Great work these guys do. You can follow them on Twitter at WWSRN underscore radio. Errol Marks in the house, man. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you, Desi. All right. We'll uh, have him back on later on. We'll be back in just a bit. You're listening to Franchise Players on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com.